Welcome to the conversation at airsafe.com. I'm your host, Dr. Todd Curtis. What follows is an interview I had on March 13, 2014, with BBC radio host Atun Adebayo, where we discuss some of the issues surrounding the disappearance of Malaysia Airlines Flight 370. Well, Dr. Todd Curtis is the founder of airsafe.com. Dr. Curtis, I was speaking to Commander Marks just half an hour ago, and you could hear that he doesn't really have much of an idea, as does you know, many other people don't have much of an idea of where to look next. Where do you think they should focus their search for this missing plane? Well, I think they should focus their, focus their search in areas where there is at least some evidence, either direct evidence, uh, such as the Chinese photograph, or indirect evidence, such as witness reports, however um, vague those reports may be, to try and focus their efforts. Uh, one has to keep in mind that the potential search area, the ultimate potential search area, would be encompassed by the radius of travel that the aircraft could have traveled with a full fuel load. Uh, that would include all of Southeast Asia, uh, the Philippines, parts of Australia. That's how far this aircraft could have flown if, for example, it was commandeered or if somehow or another the pilots were incapacitated and the aircraft was on a particular course until the fuel ran out. So given that vast area, uh, one can't just systematically go from one side to the other because it would take a considerable period of time. You'll have to start where the evidence is. It could take months then, couldn't it? If, if as you say, the area of search could stretch right, right down to Australia. That's correct. It could take months. It, in fact, it could take years. And this is one of the maddening things about this particular event. Uh, the particular technologies that are common in the aviation industry today have aircraft under close surveillance, but not constant surveillance. And this is one of those situations where a problem occurred in an area that doesn't have much, if any, radar coverage. So by the time there is a, an understanding that there's a problem and other systems could be brought to bear on the situation, the aircraft could be hundreds of, hundreds of kilometers away. It could be several countries away. What's different about the way this aircraft has disappeared, though, that makes it so difficult to locate, from what you can tell? Well, there, there's not much difference compared to other recent disappearances. And uh, the most recent one that's somewhat similar is the 2009 uh, crash of the Air France Flight 447 that was flying from South America to Europe and disappeared over the, over the Atlantic. Like this uh, aircraft, it was in an area that didn't have direct radar coverage. Like this aircraft, it was... Uh, a modern aircraft that was equipped to fly thousands of miles. And the initial search area, it was a fruitless search. It wasn't until several days later that something in the way of wreckage was found. And even then, the aircraft sank at a depth greater than that of the Titanic. It was years before they were able to get significant parts of the aircraft up. And you expect the aircraft to sink, don't you? So how... how uh, well, what happens to the debris? Why, why does that float to the surface? Are, are we clear that there will definitely be debris nevertheless, even if the aircraft has sunk? That's not entirely clear. I, I take a, I'll give you another example, also from 2009. The uh, landing on the Hudson River of the A320 uh, for U.S. Airways, where the engines well. had severe problems, the pilot landed on the Hudson. The aircraft yeah. was largely intact. It had an engine torn off, and the aircraft was starting to sink, 
Had it sunk completely, there would have been not much in the way of debris on the surface. Of course, the passengers would have been out. There might have been a few life rafts. But that's a relatively small amount of, of debris, a small number of objects compared to the rest of the aircraft. If the aircraft, the, the Malaysian aircraft, had a controlled ditching at sea, it could be a similar situation. The passengers may have been able to get out, but the plane would have sunk. There would be very, very little debris on the surface. I suppose the black box is the next obvious um, thing to locate, and that emits a beacon, doesn't it? That should make it easier to locate. However, it it's proved difficult. Yes, yeah, it to go on. But I'd like to point out that there are two kinds of uh, signals that could be coming from the aircraft. If the aircraft was in the water, if the black boxes were submerged in the water, there's an acoustic pinger that acts as a homing beacon and sonar de type detection devices could find it but those devices had to be relatively close to the aircraft if the aircraft crashed on land there's something called emergency locator transmitter that has a radio signal that can be picked up actually uh, from hundreds of miles away it can be picked up by satellite in space the fact that there is no elt signal being detected probably points to the aircraft not having crashed on land the fact that there's no acoustic signal picked up points to the fact that the rescuers or the search crews aren't close enough to the actual crash site, if it is indeed crashed. If it is indeed crashed? That's well, what other option could there be? Another option could be that the crew was able to have some sort of safe landing, either at an airfield or off of an airfield in the flat ground, let's say. And but that, surely th th that would have been picked up by now, wouldn't it? If it were in a proper airfield, yes, because even a remote airfield that doesn't have much in the way of uh, resources on it, uh, by now someone would have seen it and would have reported it. So I think that's actually the least likely option. However, if there was some sort of forced or emergency landing in the wilderness, conceivably there could be no radio communication, no cell phone towers nearby. The passengers and crew, if they're survivors, would have to fend for themselves. And this isn't a, a theoretical sort of uh, option. There was actually a case in the 1960s, late 60s, early 70s, where a plane, a small one, about 20 or 30 passenger capacity, disintegrated over South America. There was a young woman, a teenage woman, who was strapped in her seat. She crashed into the jungle, had severe injuries, broken arm, broken ribs, and other injuries took her eight days to hike out of the jungle to get help, but she did survive, and she's alive to this day. So it's possible, if you had a controlled landing, even in rough territory, that there could be survivors out there now. Dr. Curtis, thank you very much. Dr. Todd Curtis, the founder of airsafe.com. For more information, please visit 777.airsafe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.